Thank you for listening to the podcast of Dublin Bible Church. Well, we are uh, in, the, uh, in the final stage of our series called Frequency, where we're talking about how we can get in tune with God. And we've kind of taken a systematic approach on how to do that. And this week is, uh, is no different. But I will tell you that the topic for this week is one that's not talked about in church very much. It's not talked about in church very much. And, and it's kind of, it's one of those things, it's kind of like your crazy uncle. You just don't talk about your crazy uncle, right? And it's like, you're like, hey, you know, who's, you know, tell me about all your aunts and uncles. And you always leave this one out. It's like, that's what this topic has been in the church. You're laughing because you have that crazy uncle. I just hit home. I do apologize. And yet, that's kind of like what this is about. And we've, we've taken a very uh, methodical approach into this and saying that we get in tune by God by knowing God, by trusting God, by relying upon God, but then also by walking in, in our calling. The calling that God has put on, on every Christian is to make disciples, to be a disciple and make disciples. And then we also have other callings and things that God wants us to do, and which leads us into this week. And this week's topic... Drum roll, please. Anyone? Anyone? Drum roll. Thank you. That was good. That was the best response that y'all have even given this morning. That's awesome. It's how we are supposed to get in tune with God's gifts. How we're supposed to get in tune with God's gifts. You see, if I were just to stop last week and say, well, you've been a calling, go get him, camper, do the best you can, that would be an incomplete message. The Bible tells us in Romans 11.29 that... God, that God gifts, and then also, and, and the gifts and the call of God are what? What's that word? Irrevocable. That, this, that the gifts that He gives us and the call that He places on our life as Christians are irrevocable. That means it's something that you have that you can't shake. That means if you're saved, you're sealed. Amen? That means that, that you're not only sealed eternally, but that also means that we are supposed to be living in the fullness of what John 10.10 10 says. That we're not supposed to have a, a, a limpy, gimpy, and wimpy kind of faith. That he says that we can, have, we can have life, and we can have not just eternal life, but we can have life to the full. And that means in this life, starting now, starting at the day of salvation, that we can live life to the full. And, and the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable on our life. And yet, the dangerous thing, and the reason why churches don't talk about gifts, is because of where they come from. They're spiritual gifts, imparted upon by the Holy Spirit. Now, as soon as you say the Holy Spirit in the church, you have, you have like this, these visions that go through your head, because you've seen the same Christian TV channels that I have, that there's going to be somebody in white shoes and a comb over that starts from here, and everything he says is going to be ha at the end of it, and he's going to skip across the stage, and everything's Holy Ghost, right? You watch the same shows as me, and you start to get nervous, as I do. And if I'm honest, I start to get upset because I'm the same guy who's supposed to take apart all of that wrong theology that you've heard and try and make sense of it by the power of His Holy Spirit in situations like this. So the same reason why you push back and say, Holy Spirit, well, I don't know about the whole Holy Spirit thing. Like, I'm good with Jesus, God the Father, I love that, I'll pray, I've got that whole connection, but there's this whole Holy Spirit thing I just don't get. And yet the Holy Spirit has given us gifts. They're specific gifts. 
1 Corinthians 12, 7 says to us that we have a spiritual gift. This is every Christian, every Christian. Everybody say that. Say every Christian. And also say, that means me. That we have a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can do what, church? Help each other. We've been given a spiritual gift so we can help each other, help the body of Christ, help promote Christ within our own body as we use our gifts to invite other people into the body of Christ. That's the purpose of it. And the same reason why you push back and you start to think about spiritual gifts and what does that mean and like, does that mean like weird things are going to happen? Does that mean like somebody's going to fall on the floor and start doing the worm and we're going to call that a spiritual event, right? And like, what does that mean exactly? The same the same kind of safeguards you have are the same ones that I have. But by the power of His Holy Spirit and the authority of His Word, we want to take apart some of the confusion this morning. Can we do that? And yet we have spiritual gifts that have been given to each of us to help each other. Spiritual gifts not to make ourselves look good. Not spiritual gifts so that everybody would sit back and say, Well, man, I'll tell you what, Chad, he's a gifted fella. Right? I'm like, whoo. Not that you would sit back and say, man, that is really incredible what they're doing. That's not really the point at all. The point of the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives a believer is so that we can do what? Help each other. And not that we would take the glory because it's not something that we have, been, uh, that we have earned. It's what the Holy Spirit has given to us. Because the call of God and His gifts are irrevocable. That means He's placed them over us. Well, that means that we're saved if you're saved and you're secure because you're saved. And that also means that you have a purpose. And that's your calling. And yet, some of us, we, we kind of, we, you know, some of us have these, safe, these, these kind of safeguards we put up and we kind of buffet that in the Holy Spirit and gifts. And what does that mean about the, the Holy Spirit and like all of that? And you watch TV and you're concerned, I'm concerned. And we try and make sense of that. But then there's also other groups of us in here who don't necessarily lean in that area, but maybe that, that they're, they're Christians, they've been Christians a long time, and they don't know what their gifts are. And eventually, they start treating them kind of like this Rubik's Cube. Now, this is Jared's Rubik's Cube. If you want to make him sweat, we can take this thing. No? We could take this thing all apart. Um, he already warned me ahead of time. But sometimes we, we kind of treat our spiritual gifts like a Rubik's Cube. Right? Remember these from the 80s? Who remembers these? Right? I didn't actually have a Rubik's Cube when I was a kid. Um, I was like a, a po' child. And what I had uh, was, was a little wannabe Rubik's Cube on a keychain. And if you think this is hard, you ought to try it when all you can put is your pinky on it. I mean, it's terrible. Um, and then eventually I ended up getting like a knockoff real one, but it was long after it was cool and it was done and over with. Um, I think it was probably in the 90s, um, just so you know. But we treat our spiritual gifts kind of like a Rubik's Cube. Like a Rubik's Cube, if you're like me, when I, when I, whenever I was a kid, and like you'd have it and you'd mess around with it, and it looked great in the box. And this, this is always where you wanted it to be. But as soon as you started jacking around with it, you realize that it was never going to be that way again. Right? Did, when, just by, by show of hands, after you took it all apart, and I'm sure there's probably a couple in here, was anybody able to put it all back together like this. Yeah, raise your hand. You were able to put it all back together after it was all scrambled? Put your hand up, loud and proud. Come on, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's only a couple of us. Did you have to take the stickers off to do so? All right. 
So we have one. Good. Honesty. It's always a good thing. But we, we kind of treat it like the Rubik's Cube, our spiritual gifts. It's like you realize, ah, oh, okay, I have a spiritual gift. Maybe somebody's told me. Maybe I even took a test, you know, like, a, like it's not a hard test, but you like took this spiritual gifts test through whatever way possible. I'll suggest one later. And yet all of a sudden, it, once it's all scrambled, we realize we can't use it or we're not going to use it. So we just put it like I did. I just kind of put it on the back shelf and then, and then I put a little bit higher on the shelf. So nobody would actually draw attention to it because it was never going to be complete. And then eventually all you do is you put it in a box, right? And like you put it in a box and nobody can see it. And then all of a sudden it's not there. And we treat our spiritual gifts the same way. Maybe we we have this gift, but we haven't cultivated the gift. Or we're not sure of the gift that God has given us. So all of a sudden, we don't talk about it, we don't even show it, we don't try and develop it, and all of a sudden, we work under our own power instead of the spiritual gift that God's given us. That's scary, isn't it? And then we wonder why we can't walk in the fullness of Christ. So we need to get in tune with God's gifts. And He has gifted each and every one of us. The truth of the Scripture that's on the screen, a spiritual gift has been imparted to every one of us so we can help each other not to glorify ourselves not so that everybody would sit back and say well he's got this gift and she's got that gift it's not the point that everybody i believe this firmly from the bottom of my heart i believe if every single person in this room or who who considers himself a part of dublin bible church would use their spiritual gift we would not have a want or or a need in this church to serve i believe it we wouldn't even we wouldn't even have that and people would come in and we would just be so excited that, that you would just come in and you'd be serving in your capacity that you're gifted in. And all of a sudden, the needs of the church are all taken care of. That's the ideal. That's what I want to get to. But you have to get in tune with God's gifts. Now, the scripture that we're going to be uh, studying from this morning is Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. A little bit about the book of Romans. This is, this is like Paul's developed theology. Don't let that scare you. But like if you, you're studying the scripture, and, and I would say if you're brand new to the Bible, don't just start reading the, the book of Romans because you're going to be lost probably by uh, about the second chapter. One thing that's, that's quite interesting is actually the book of Galatians is kind of Paul's earlier theology. It's a little bit easier to take. And I would say, go. that's like, his, not, not that, it's, that it's lesser of God's word, but start in Galatians, if you want to start studying this, the depths of Paul's theology, start in Galatians. It's a little bit more palatable. And then work up to, you know, work up to varsity in the book of Romans. But don't just start reading the Bible in the book of Romans. You're going to be out, blown out of the water. You're going to be confused and all of that. Though I would love the conversation, I don't want you to be confused or frustrated. God's Word is, is something that we should desire to spend time in reading and meditating upon. Well, Romans, is, it is Paul's developed theology, and this section is, is pretty straightforward. And yet, this letter is not written like the ones we've referenced the last couple weeks, where it was a letter written to a, a specific church, you know, about issues in the church. This is kind of written to Roman Christians, 
Paul was getting ready to, to hopefully go to this place, and he was like sending this letter that was going to be spread out to, to, to the Roman Christians, like setting the, found, uh, the foundation of, of the faith for the people. Like this is what Jesus did. This is what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian. So it's, it's written not necessarily as a how-to manual on being a Christian, but also it was kind of laying the firm foundation of saying, hey, this is who Jesus is, and this is how you need to live in light of what Jesus did. Amen? So in Romans 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Stop there. Therefore, he's, he's taking a previous idea and connecting it, he's saying, hey, you, you know, you've you received Christ, and, and he talks about the, the role of Israel with Christians, uh, and he says, hey, the nation of Israel, and if you're a Christian, hey, you've received Christ. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in, in what God has done for you, the mercy that was shed on the cross for your sin, in view of that, he just... He sets a very humble foundation for us before we even get into gifts. He says, in view of God's mercy upon you, so we should think a little bit lesser of and humble ourselves before God. He says, at the end of that, he says, in view of God's mercy, that he urges us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So our bodies, the way we live, the way that we work out our calling, the gifts that we have, are not for ourselves, not to pump ourselves up, or lift ourselves up, make us look good in front of other people. The purpose, even before we get to the gifts, I'm wanting this to be crystal clear to you, is so that we would be living our life in submission to God's Word and to the Lord Himself, to the Lordship of Christ. And because of that, that we would use our gifts in the right way. And in doing so, it is our spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What he's implying is, all of us before Christ have already been conforming to the pattern of the world. And then we need to have a change of thought, a transforming of our mind instead of thinking about the world to be thinking like Christ. And he takes us into account. He says, this is where you were. The trajectory of your life was to lift you up because that's what the world tells you. The world tells you you need to, you need to get more, have more, spend more, and do whatever it takes to step on whoever it takes to get more. And yet, that's the he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world but yet we need to be transformed by the renewing of our what? Our mind. So that we would have the mind of Christ. So we would be thinking like Christ and not like the world. The world system. And the benefit of that, he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So many Christians have no idea what God's will is. They don't understand that they have a calling upon their life, a purpose to be lived out in this life. And the reason why is they live in defiance of the scripture that I'm reading. But it tells, us the, it tells us at the end of verse 2, very clearly, if you do this, then you will know God's will for your life. 
And he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Should I do this? Should I do that? I don't know. Am I being, am I being conformed to the world in this idea? Or am I being transformed by Christ in this idea? That we can test it in our decisions. The way that we're, the, the, the things that we try and justify. I have so many people who come up to me and they're having a, hardship, a hard time in their marriage and they're trying to justify why they should leave. And they sit back and they try and justify, but they're not, they're not living in accordance to God's word. God's will is that you would not divorce. God's will is not that, that or rather, God's word uh, would tell you that you need to raise godly kids, that you need to spend your money wisely, that you should stay in tune with God by using his gifts, by living out your calling. Many, many people live in defiance of this because they're trying to do their own thing all the time. And God wants so much more for you and I. But then he says in verse 3, we're getting to the meat of it. He says, for the, for, By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think highly of yourself, or rather, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Before we get to the spiritual gift aspect of it, he says, This is not about you. And I will tell you this, the same thing if you're repulsed by looking at a TV preacher who has the, the, the wicked white shoes, which I've never been able to see other than on, uh, you know, uh, Uncle Eddie on, from the vacation. I'm like, I've never seen that any other place. It's like, all, if you're repulsed by what that looks like and, and the, mis, the misuse of spiritual gifts, it's because they're not living in accordance with this scripture. They're trying to draw attention to themselves, their campaign, what they're doing, instead of what God tells us to do. And he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. This is about Christ in you, not you promoting yourself. Spiritual gifts are not just for you. Isn't that what the Scripture said earlier from 1 Corinthians 12, 7? It says those gifts are given to do what? To help each other. Now, we all have gifts. Then also, in verse 4, it says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, he's getting somewhere, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I will tell you this, this is not a complete list of the spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, I don't believe that you will find a complete list in the Bible. There are, there are several lists, but none of them, I don't believe any of them, are a complete list of every spiritual gift that God gives. In, in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, it really talks and, and really draws this whole idea out even more so than what we're going to be able to talk about. But there's a list in there. And that list is a little bit different than this list. And then when you get a little bit further back in the Bible, there's another list. And it's a shorter list than the other two. And I, I don't believe that there is a complete list of all the spiritual gifts. So even the lists that are here, this is something that I was taught, that, that somebody taught me wrongly. 
is they would take a list like this, and then they would make you only look at this list to find out what your spiritual gift is. Then you sit back and you think, well, prophesying, I don't even know what that means. I'm not that. Serving, I guess it's all right. I'm self-serving, so, oh, wait a minute, that don't count. You know, teaching, well, maybe. Encouraging, maybe, possibly. You know, you go down the list, but then you kind of shrug those off and you think, well, I don't really think any of them are me. Sometimes it takes a little bit of help to find out uh, what it is that you're gifted in. We just, sometimes it takes cultivating. And yet, if you look at this text, it brings home the idea in verse 4. It says, just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. That means not everybody's supposed to be a teacher. Not everybody's supposed to be somebody who prophesies, which basically just means declare truth, meaning from a stage like this. Not everybody's going to have those gifts. As a matter of fact, we're all going to have different gifts because it's all to serve the body of Christ. And he uses the illustration of a body because how many left arms does your body have? One. Because that's all your body needs. Right? So for us, we need to find what our giftedness is and we need to get in tune with God's gifts. And it's not... Not to lift ourselves up, but it's to build each other up, to build up the body of Christ. Back again in verse 6, he says, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Then he starts with the list. I will tell you this, with every spiritual gift, every spiritual gift, there is a, there's a positive aspect, but yet part of the world system is it can be turned to a negative aspect as well. And it takes discernment on how to use that spiritual gift. Just because you have it, if you have the gift of prophecy, being able to declare truth, I would say the best approach for you is not to, you know, to grab a bullhorn and set up town and scream at everybody as they come by. Right? Like, that approach just doesn't always work. And, and as many as you try and justify and say, no, 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 well, you know, you need that, and that's, that's your gift, that, that may be fine, but I guarantee you, you're pushing away a lot more than what you're drawing to you. How many times did you see Jesus draw up a bullhorn and scream at people as they came by? Never. Right? Never. Take that to heart. And yet there's a positive aspect and a negative aspect. Just going through these gifts, I'll just kind of tell you what a couple of them are. Um... If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's just declaring truth, you know, I understand there's a time to declare truth, but, but the negative side of this is that we don't share that truth with genuine love, Christ-like love. So we can be so truth-centered and just pound it, pound it, pound it, and what we're doing is we're pushing, pushing, pushing. We need to declare truth, but we need to do that with the love of Christ. We see it over and over and over again. If it's serving, it says, let him, uh, let him or her use it in proportion uh, to their faith. So if it's serving, and granted, I mean, I serve, people who serve in the church are, I mean, I love everybody who uses their gifts in the church, but people who serve in the church are so encouraging to people like me. And yet there's a negative side to serving too. For instance, I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with somebody who comes to this church, and and I was just kind of talking to her, and she was kind of on, she's on fire. And she was kind of explaining to me um, about some other church experience she had, and she came in here, and she's wanted to get plugged in, and, 
and, and I'm kind of thinking through some things of, of needs in the church, which is not the right approach, and I realized that uh, I was convicted of that, and I repented of that. That wasn't the right approach to helping her find her gifts by giving her a short list of needs in the church. You know, So I, I just said, I just kind of stripped it all away, and I love it. God just allowed me to, to do this. I just kind of said, hey, what brings you joy? <laughs> not a real deep question, is it? I should have asked that first. But I said, just what brings you fulfillment? What brings you joy? You know what she said? She said, I just love to serve. I just love to serve. She's like, I, I, I love to serve. I love to serve my church. She said, even if I'm cutting the hedges or cutting the grass. Um, as a matter of fact, she's volunteered to clean the church. She's one of the folks who cleans the church. She loves it. She comes alive, and she just, just wants to serve. She wants to do her part. She wants to be a part of something. She wants to be a part of not just Dublin Bible Church, but what God's doing at Dublin Bible Church. Not just a shell of a building, but, but the, the body of believers that's here. We are the church, folks. We are the church. And she says, you know what? I just want to serve my Lord and serve my church without taking any credit to herself. But I learned a valuable lesson there. How wonderful it is to serve. But she also was explaining a situation that had happened previously because she has the, the spiritual gift of service to serve anywhere at any time, and she's encouraged by it. At, not at this place, but at, at a church previously, that same area of service, she was plugged into a ministry that she wasn't fulfilled in. And, and it was burdensome to her. And I could see it. There was a break in her voice. Her demeanor changed. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, well, that's the negative side to the gift of serving. It's like you just want to serve and you have a heart to serve. And then all of a sudden, you can be put in the wrong place. You, you can be not fulfilled in, in certain environments. And people who have the gift of service, they're just kind of like, you know, they're usually the people who are just like, you know what, I don't need to be on stage. I don't need to be singing. I don't need to do that. But you know what? You're going to see God's activity through me everywhere. Praise God for them. Gift of service. If you have the gift of service, praise God for you. Keep developing that gift. Use that gift. Utilize that gift. We need that gift as part of the body of Christ, the local assembly of Christians here. Continuing on, if it's teaching, let him teach. I would say this. Somebody who has the gift of teaching, the negative side to this gift, which it, it's, an, it's an incredible gift, but the negative side is this. Not everybody needs a lesson, right? Not everybody needs a lesson. Some people just need you to listen. They just need you to listen. They don't need to you know, know a, you know, a five-point doctrinal statement about what you're talking about. They just need you to be quiet and listen. There's a time to teach. There's a time to listen. And somebody who has that spiritual gift of teaching is like, they're just you know, biting at the bit of like, oh, I can't wait. Oh, yeah, I see that. I, I've got this truth and I've got that truth. And all they want you to do is, that's cool, but could you listen to me first? Give me, give me the context of love before you give me instruction, please. Just let me know that you love me by letting me speak to you. And you listen. That's the negative side of the teaching. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. Many of you think, well, what's the negative side of encouragement? I would tell you, uh, the gift of encouragement is something that's just contagious. I mean, it really is. It's just, it's contagious. And, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. But I will tell you this, if you have the gift of encouragement, some things need not encouraged. If somebody has sin in their life, you don't need to go up to them and say, it's going to be okay. You, you need to be firm with them and discourage that behavior. That's We're supposed to be holding each other accountable, Christians. You don't hold the world accountable to 
God's word. You hold Christians accountable to God's word. Makes sense, right? And yet there's, there's some behavior that you don't just pat them on the back and say it's going to be okay. There's some behaviors, there's people I have to come up with or who, who come to me with certain things and I just kind of have to strip it away. And, and I want to encourage them and my heart is to encourage. I, I kind of have the gift of encouragement. But then all of a sudden I'm just like, you know what, I can't encourage bad behavior. We just got to take this away. I want, to, I want to lovingly tell you the truth right now, but I can't encourage sin in your life. Can't do it. Won't do it. I'm accountable to God not to do it. And yet, but there's certainly times to encourage. When somebody's hurting, somebody's down, they're going through, they're going through uh, issues, whether emotional or family or financial, whatever the case may be, there, there is times to go next to another Christian, just encourage them, say it's going to be okay. Maybe take them out to lunch or something. Maybe they're going through something they just need you to listen and you just want to go sit with them and take them out to lunch and just encourage them and just say, you know what, it's going to be okay. Maybe share your story a little bit and how God brought you from a similar situation. That gives so much, that would give so much hope to somebody who is in a time of need. Gift of encouragement. Um, if it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. Like, this is just the, the gift of giving. It was just some people. It's like that's just their gift. They're just like whatever it is. I'll give it. I'll give it to you. you want my shoes here. You can have them. Like whatever. I like. I just love to give. I'll give you money. I'll give you time. I'll give you food. And and that's a wonderful thing. The church needs people with the gift of giving. You feel when you feel fulfilled in doing something, you should you should seek it out. And especially the gift of giving. And yet the negative side of this. Is this, and I've ran across this. There's maybe a, uh, I'll just say the the wife in a situation. She has the gift of of giving, and uh, you know the husband maybe has the gift of uh, keeping. You know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you've got a little friction, and then she's come through and she's like, I just want to give it away. I want to give it away. I want to give it away. You know, whatever I have, and come on over and. We're not going to eat, you know, we're not eating really good tonight, but I, I want to offer my table to you and food to you and all these things. And yet there, there's, there's a time to give. Hear me. There's a time to give, but then also you have to realize that you can't, you can't give if it's going to create a hardship for your family. You can't do that. It takes balance. You just can't freestyle and just give everything away, and then you can't care for your own kids. I had somebody from a previous ministry, and that's kind of what she did. She, she, she would help Anybody in anything, but yet I could see that there was not, not enough to get like the, the police involved, but there was some neglect going on in her own family. And yet she was willing to serve and be a part of the church, and I literally had to go through it. And so that's awesome, but, but let's, let's redirect some of that, and let's, let's think about what's going on at home. Because it's important, because if you're not maintaining at home, you're not going to be effective within the body, right? Only makes sense. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. Leadership comes uh, with not only responsibility, but also it comes with, in the, with the authority. So there's weight in that leadership. And, and you know what? Sometimes it, leadership can be done so much so that, that it's, it's, very, you know, it, it's very hierarchical. And it's just kind of like you just lead and you don't think about who you're leading. And you think about, well, this is what we've got to do, and yet we, we, we kind of sit back and we don't have a, a, a comfortable balance of, okay, of, of the gift of mercy and understanding, okay, how does this affect people? Many of you in the workplace, you, you may have the gift of leadership, and you're talented in your workplace, and all of a sudden you have this, 
this leadership, and yet you have to understand that, yeah, you've been given the gift to lead, but don't forget about those that you're leading. Same thing happens in your home. So we have, we have great Christian men in this church, and they're developing, and they're, they're trying to be the leaders in their home, as God's Word tells us to do. And yet we have to understand, yeah, we have the leadership, and yet, you, as Jared says, you know, you're probably going to get the big piece of chicken at the dinner table, but understand, with that, it takes responsibility. Think about who you're leading. Love them. You can't effectively love or lead if you're not loving. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Just share, being merciful. You know, mercy is such a great thing. My daughter has the gift of mercy towards everybody except her brother, ironically enough. I don't know how that works, but pretty much true. But she has the gift of mercy. Oh, what a wonderful thing for, for Marla and I to go to her and kind of raise her up and say, this is a, this is a spiritual gift. This is, this is what God has given you. You have this spiritual gift. You need to cultivate it. You need to use it. You need to, you need to get the maximum out of that gift for, for the calling of God on your life as that's being developed and shaped in her, in her young uh, walk with God. But that's important. And yet there's a negative side to mercy is I, I also know people who have the gift of mercy, and unfortunately what happens is they take it all on themselves. And then they, they have that such a gift of mercy, and then they, not just sympathy, but then empathy, and then they wear that, and they, they carry the same burden with the other person, so much so that it just becomes like decay in their bones, and they, can't, and they themselves are just carrying it in such a way that it brings them down. And that's not what God wants you to do. He wants you to use your gift of mercy. He wants to do it to build each other up. And yet, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. They're on your life. Romans 11, 29. This is, this is what we have as Christians. We're supposed to use these gifts to the glory of God. Some of you may have the gift of administration. Um, I took a test, and it says that that's high on my list, although I don't think that's true at all. Um, but have the gift of administration. And, and the way that you would know that you have, maybe a way that you'd be able to know if you have the gift of administration is look in your closet. If you have all of your T-shirts in a certain section and all of your shirts with no sleeves, but not T-shirts in a certain section, your, your dress pants in a certain section, your jeans of a certain color in this section, I'll, am I just explaining somebody's closet in here? Um, don't make me raise some hands in here. I, I know that that's probably some of your situation. You have the gift of administration, and maybe you don't even realize it. You go through, and you think it's fun to do your bank register. Like, you can't wait at the end of the month to go through your checkbook and be like, this is awesome, you know? And I'm thinking, you are sick, you know? It's like you may have the gift of administration and not even know it. Maybe you're good with numbers, and you go through, maybe you're good with calculations and numbers and, and facts and all these things, and you like certain things in order, and, and maybe, maybe you get complaints from your husband or wife like why the toilet paper has to be a certain way on the roll, right? At my house, if you can find it, it's a good thing, <laughs> right? Like, that's it. If it's present, we're happy campers. On the roll, on the floor, doesn't really matter. As long as it's there. But maybe for you, if you're really picky when it comes to that stuff, maybe that's a leading that, hey, you have an issue. But then also, you have the gift of administration. 
if Monk is your favorite TV show because he's the only one who understands you. That probably is an indication that you may have the gift of administration. Monk's an amazing show. I'm a big fan. Um, But there are different gifts. I've only talked about a couple of gifts. There are other gifts that I don't have time to explain all of them. There's a negative side and a positive side. There are some other more what they call charismatic gifts. That's the gifts, you know, where, where people confuse and people go on stage start doing the worm and doing all that crazy stuff that you're repulsed with. It's the negative side of those gifts that also has not only given Christians a bad name, but also it's, it's become the reason why nobody talks about spiritual gifts. And yet, even within those charismatic gifts we see that God's Word tells us, specifically in 1 Corinthians 12-14, through 14, mostly uh, 1 Corinthians 14, tells us exactly how to use them, when to use them, and when not to use them. Not to exalt and to lift ourselves up, but to build the body up. He tells us that specifically. If you want to know more about spiritual gifts, lean into those Scriptures. And you'll see 1 Corinthians 12 talks about spiritual gifts, kind of introduces the idea, and then... It's not by mistake, right in the middle of that is what a lot of Christians call, you know, the chapter of love in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. If you say it, you've got to say it that way, love. But it's 1 Corinthians 13, but then also, it also talks about spiritual gifts, again, in 1 Corinthians 14. It's no mistake, because those gifts are supposed to be done in the context of love. I made it a lot more simple, um, even than, than really what the Bible uh, clearly says, but I, I believe that. that That's why it's there. To not forget why you do what you do. To lift up other people, not to lift up ourselves. I'll give you some warnings about spiritual gifts. These are not going to be on the screen. Um, just some things that I thought about. Just because it's not obvious doesn't mean that it's not there. Just because it's not obvious doesn't mean that it's not there. You may sit back and say, well, I have no idea what my spiritual gift is. As a matter of fact, it's a place of frustration for you. And you did like what I illustrated with the Rubik's Cube. It's like it was all messed up. I didn't have it all together. I didn't feel like it was all cultivated. You put it on the shelf. You put it higher on the shelf. Then you put it in the closet. Like it's just, yeah, it's there, but I know where to get it, but I just don't want to even talk about it because it's frustrated me. I don't know what those gifts are. Just because it's not obvious doesn't mean it's not there. Somebody needed to hear that. Just because it's not obvious doesn't mean that it's not there. God has given every Christian a spiritual gift to use for the body of Christ. Uh, number two, the fruit of the Spirit, or rather, the gifts that I'm talking about, the spiritual gifts that come from the Holy Spirit, are not the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians 5. Not the same. Every person can have... Um, can have the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. Every Christian. Not every Christian is going to have every gift from the Holy Spirit. It says you at least have one. You probably have more than one, but you at least have one that God has put in you because God's call and His gifts are irrevocable. He's given them to you so you can use, cultivate. Third, and I've already kind of talked about this, the Bible doesn't have a complete list of the gifts. Fourth, working outside your gifts cannot be done long term. Who knows this already? If you're working outside your gifts, you may be able to do it for a little while. You may be able to do it for a little while. And I would say, 
that's, that's not even a bad thing. There are times where I've been, uh, not necessarily in this context, but in previous ministries, where I felt like I was working outside of my gifts and I was having to do things that I wasn't absolutely comfortable in doing. And yet, I did it for a little while, and that's okay, but you can't do it long term. Because if you do it long term, this is where the road leads. You get frustrated, you put it on the back of the shelf, then you put it in the closet, then you don't use it anymore. That's, that's where that road leads. And you get frustrated. Understandably so. You can do it short term, you can't do it long term. You are responsible for knowing what your spiritual gift is. You are. I may be able to look at you because conversations we've had, meals, coffee, that kind of thing, times in groups, I may be able to look at you and say, yeah, you kind of have that gift, or no, you don't have that gift. That, that may be the case. But you are the one who's responsible for cultivating that gift. You are. Christians, you are. And uh, another one is spiritual gifts are yours to use all the time. Not just, not just here, right? It isn't like... You know, the Holy Spirit just says, he just like, you know, puts the, puts the, the hot now button like, you know, at a Krispy Kreme, like hot now, and then everybody goes to get a donut. And, you know, all that isn't like you, you just come in, he's like, whoop, Holy Spirit on now, and now you have these gifts because you're within the context of the church. You have these gifts to use to build up the body, not just locally, but other places too. And to use them, they're spiritual gifts given to you so you can cultivate and use and to use all the time. Another thing, gifts need developing. Give yourself grace. Gifts need developing. Sometimes it's just, boom, it's just obvious. It wasn't obvious for me, for, for me to teach. It wasn't obvious at all. I started teaching with kids, and, and I taught many, many situations, you know, settings with kids, little kids. Like, at that time, it was like fourth to sixth graders. And the tweeners are like the hardest age. It was like boot camp for preachers. I mean, it was, it was hard. It really was. Like to hold their attention and not to keep from strangling a couple of them and, and trying not to use the, the rope that you brought from the house to tie them up. I mean, it was really hard. Self-control, fruit of the Spirit. That's free of charge. So it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing in the world for me to know what my gifts were. It actually took several different settings. And then there was one event to where... The light came on, and I was like, wait a minute. Okay, maybe there is something here that, I, that God had allowed me, and he illuminated my mind and my heart, that I'm like, okay, this is a spiritual gift that I have, but I still needed to cultivate it. But it's not, it's not always obvious, and sometimes those gifts need developing. Another thing, quickly, is burnout as a sign that that gift doesn't fit. Because if you're working in your spiritual giftedness, I don't need to keep coming next to you to encourage you to keep doing gifts or things that are in your realm of giftedness. I don't need to come up to you and be like, hey, um, uh, could you go encourage that person? If you're working and you have the gift of encouragement, I don't need to say it. I just need to sit back and watch you. Right? And yet... For some of you, it would be so hard because of some personality differences. If you had the gift, or if I were to tell you, "Oh, you have the gift of encouragement," because your personality is, you'd much rather be your, be by yourself. You would be scared to death, and yet you would be totally burnt out. That wick would burn out on that so fast that you would just walk away from it. You have to know what the fit is, but then also, oftentimes, burnout is a sign that that spiritual gift is not right for you at that time 
because it should bring you fulfillment and joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Another thing, diversity, uh, the church is, is, has diversity and giftedness, not uniformity. Not everybody's going to be the singer. Not everybody's going to be a preacher. Not everybody's going to have all of the roles. It takes all of us to build uh, and to make the body of Christ. Another thing is your spiritual gifts will draw others to you. That's an exciting thing. Because when you work in your giftedness, other people notice and they sit back and say, wow, there's something special about that person. What they're talking about is, they're talking about what's special with the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit has given that person. And now that the person is developing that gift and boom, the light's on. Other people see it and other people will they'll gravitate towards you. Happens all the time. And I would say this, seek the gifts that equip the body of Christ first. I have a verse for this, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. I alluded to this earlier. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, this is what Paul writes, try to excel in gifts that do what? That build up the church. Try and excel in the, in, in the gifts that build up the church. This isn't just about you. This isn't about a certain gift that you're going to have when you're alone. He says, yeah, you may have some of those gifts, but, but what you should do is try and excel in the gifts that builds up the church, the body of Christ. Now, I would be remiss to just kind of leave this as a cliffhanger and pray, and then you'd leave and say, man, I need to find my spiritual gifts, and then for me not to give you any helps to do so, right? And I'm tempted to do it. No, I'm not. But, but that would be a bad thing for me to do, just kind of walk away and be like, this is what you need to do, but I want to try and give you some practical steps to help you to find out what your gifts are. I've given you warnings. Those would be somewhat helpful, but then I also have another list um, these will be on the screen that I think will help you as, as far as how can I know what my gifts are? How can I know what my gifts are? The first four will be on the screen um, right now. And uh, the first one is take a spiritual gifts test or two. Why did I say two? Just so you have the comfort of knowing that the first one wasn't wrong. Take two. If you look in, if you have a bulletin, I've taken care of this in two ways, uh, the idea of spiritual gifts test. I wrote down the web address um, on the back of your bulletin in the directional helps, something that's there every single week to try and help you apply the truths that, that we learn during these settings. And I wrote down two web addresses, but one of them is very convoluted, and I had to type it like two or three times just to get it on there right. Um, so those lists are there, a little bit confusing. Be careful. Uh, maybe get somebody with the gift of administration to help you put everything in order. I don't know. I'm not mocking you. I'm just picking on you a lot today. Um, so there's that, but then also at 1 o'clock today, I've already set this up, at 1 o'clock today on DBC's Facebook page, I put two links that you can just click or copy and paste into your browser and you will find exactly where it is that you need to, um, where you, a place where you can find um, the spiritual gifts test or assessments. It takes about 10 minutes. It's easy. This is, this is kind of what it, one of them spit out. It told me exactly what my gifts are. And it told, me, it told me, rather, the areas that I'm a little bit, not necessarily deficient in, but I'm just not as strong. And it actually tells you the benefits of those gifts, how they fit into the body of Christ. And then also, it tells you, some negative, negative sides to your specific gifts. So you can just really drive this home, even this afternoon, if you have some free time, 
hit the web, go to DVC's Facebook page. It's easy to find. Dublin Bible Church in the search window. Look for the Compass logo, and you'll find it. it. I tried to make it very simple. And yet it'll spit this out, and I would say put this in a file cabinet, put this somewhere where you can reflect upon it, and maybe you can start your journey of finding and cultivating your spiritual gift. But I put two different gifts assessments online so you can kind of verify each other's results. Make sense, church? That's the first one. Take the test. Nobody likes a test. It only takes about 10 minutes, and you can't fail. It's a winner all the way around. Talents and spiritual gifts, they work together, right? If you have a five handicap, I'm not saying that that's going to tie into your gift of encouragement. I'm not saying that. But there's, there are connections with your talent level, things maybe you do in your profession and, and as Christians, and yet you'll have an, a seamless connection with your spiritual gifts. But a talent is not the same as a spiritual gift. You were given a talent at birth, a spiritual gift comes at rebirth. When you accept Christ, that's when you get it. Instantaneously, you get it. We need to find it and cultivate it once we have it. Another thing is just to ask the question, what are your natural gifts? What are your natural gifts? Maybe thinking in lines with, with the short list that I've given you from Romans 12, starting in verse 3. But then also, even taking this a little bit further and, and go to the other sections of Scripture and say, well, how, how would these natural gifts, you know, how do they correspond with the Word of God? Because they're, they're going to go together. It's all going to make sense. God's a God of order. Then also, number four, it says, um, ask the question, the lead-in from what I just said, to how does it fit into the body of Christ? If you have a five handicap, it's going to be a hard sell into the body of Christ, right? Maybe that means you're the, you're the golf scramble fundraiser guy every year because you love golf. Um, I like to play golf, and I like to lose golf balls. That's, I do it at the same time. It's amazing fun. So whatever your gift is, and maybe that's a talent, maybe that's a passion you have. No, this is legitimate. Maybe that's a passion you have. Seek ways to build up the body of Christ with those passions and gifts. Some of you have the gift of carpentry. And, and you came last Saturday when we were at 8 o'clock in the morning when we were you know, kind of knocking the screws out and everything else out of the playground. And I hope that you're here next Saturday at 8 o'clock as we start to dig holes and, and put the new playground in. If you have that natural gift of carpentry and kind of working all that stuff, how to hit a hammer and not hit your finger, then come on out. It'll be beneficial for the body of Christ. You need to seek and do these things. There's another list of four. And number five is, what do I find joy in doing? Some of you have that the gift of encouragement, and when you encourage other people, you yourself feel encouraged. Does anyone have that? And then all of a sudden, it all makes sense. Like, I encourage people, but then I encouraged. Hello? That means you have joy in doing that. You need to cultivate that gift of encouragement. Um, what have you tried in the past? And I would say this, uh, take this to a, a different level. What have you tried in the past that didn't work? Because if it didn't work, scratch it off the list. You don't have that, that's fine. But find what does work. What have you tried in the past? Maybe you've, you, you've had the the way of the Rubik's Cube, and you've just kind of gotten frustrated. You didn't think you were going to get that spiritual gift altogether. You put it on the shelf. You put it higher on the shelf, and then you just put it in the closet. I would say get it out. Use it. Cultivate that gift. We need it. Um, 
Look to others specifically. Look to others who are, who are already using their gifts and ask them for help. Say, how did you know what your gifts were? Well, I took a test. Well, how else did you know? Well, you know what? I went through and number 10, I tried a few. I tried a few. And I found some and I made a short list and you know what? I just, I just, I don't have a whole lot of time. I want to be purposeful with my time. And I realized that this gift wasn't mine. So I kind of scratched off the list. That's not my gift. But I've got this. But you need to continue and press on to find that spiritual gift. We need it. We need it. Not just this church, the body of Christ. The universal church, all Christians, we need it. God has has given you a spiritual gift, not just to use here in this context, but then also to be used in your workplace. Maybe maybe you do have the gift of administration. You need to to do that in your home. And you need to be the one who, who balances the checkbook. You need to be the one who does the bills. You're better with the X's and O's than the person who's doing it. Then maybe you need to step in and love and say, you know what, honey, I'm, I'm kind of gifted in this area. And I would like to do that. I think it would, I would actually have joy in doing it. I would say, praise God, rock on, do that, please. But then also, it's, a spiritual gift is not just to be used here, but it's supposed to be used everywhere. And we need you to use your gift. This, this doesn't necessarily just speak into the needs of the church. I'm talking about the needs of the body of Christ. But don't you need that too? I love how the, the Scripture, if we could have that back on the screen, Mac, uh, Romans eleven twenty nine. I love how that Scripture said that the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. That there's a connection. That you want to know what your calling is, how you're supposed to live out your purpose. Look into your giftedness, your spiritual gifts. Because they're tied together. And don't you want to live a life of purpose? Don't, don't you want to find your place in the body of Christ where you can just, bam, you just plug in. And you're automatically, you're just plugged in and you're energized and you energize other people. I know you do. And find your gift. Get in tune with God's gifts. Because it's, it's then, and with the other things that we've talked about, will you really be in tune with God? And the only way that we can live to the fullness of what Jesus talked about in John 10.10 is if we know God, we trust God, we rely upon God's provision for us, we live out His calling, and we serve out of our giftedness. It takes takes all of them. Let's do that. Can we do that, church? Let's, let's, let's find those gifts. It's easy. It's not difficult. It's fulfilling. And you can't fail. That's a winner.